This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Oh, I didn't realize we were on camera. I was dancing there. We are Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPNU. Alone, Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. CC back with us for the new year. Harris. Harris. Oh. I picture Cece in a beret. We need a picture of <laughs> Nuno. We need a picture of Cece in the beret. We got to get Cece in the beret with a baguette. Did he put anything on Instagram uh, yesterday by any chance? Uh, here, uh, with look. that, we have to just find let out if there was any Cece beret Instagram pictures. I picture is Canty going to come back with the beret? That's a great one. We will no, find I, out in a couple weeks. I picture him in a striped shirt, a beret, and he's got a baguette. And like a wicker basket with some beautiful cheeses and a bottle of wine. The amount of bread that people eat in France is unbelievable. And I feel like they're all thin. It's really amazing. How does that happen? Well, there's a book about that, about why French people are able to be so thin eating the way that they do. Carbs, cheese, wine, dessert. How? What's, what is the book on that? Well, I didn't read it. But okay. I, th- I think Good. the summary. All right. Great I book. Think, I think the summary is that they don't have as much uh, at their foods aren't as processed as ours, so it's easier for them to digest. And I think that they don't eat as much as Americans. They're eating smaller portions, and they're not as sedentary. You walk around a lot in Europe. Okay, well, then there's, there's. I guess now we don't have to read the book, so thank you. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I'm just um, I'm giving you a summary that I'm not sure is quite correct. Yeah, it sounds like you have no idea. <laughs> All right, uh, Eagles Radio Network, WIP last night. This was a surprising result. It was. I did not expect this to happen last night. As I thought when the Eagles had the lead in this game and they lost to the Seahawks 20-17, to I did not think the Eagles were going to blow the lead. I thought the Eagles were going to expand on the lead. I thought the Eagles were going to put this game away where all of a sudden in the fourth quarter we get Joe Buck, Troy Aikman story time, which is amazing when those two just go at it with that kind of stuff and tell stories because they're freaking awesome on Monday Night Football. I was waiting for Joe Buck. Troy Aikman story time, and we never actually got that last night because Seattle, 10 points in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Eagles 10-0 in that fourth, come from behind victory against the Philadelphia Eagles, who have now lost three games in a row. And the way this went down, you know, Geno Smith was, I guess, a healthy-ish scratch, but not really healthy. He was warming up. We didn't really know. There was all the controversy about whether or not he was actually going to play last night. You had A.J. Brown get into it with a, uh, a staffer from the Seahawks, all while Dom, the security guy, was in the suite last night <laughs> watching, uh, which was amazing because he's now banned from the sidelines. But Seattle was down seven late in the game. They put on an 11-play drive, resulting in a field goal, so down four. Then Philadelphia, interception, Jalen Hurts, and Seattle has a 10-play, 92-yard drive, 124 off the clock, Jackson Smith, and Jigba has the touchdown reception there. And Jalen Hurts and the Eagles get the ball back. Interception. Ball game over. Philly drops to 10-4. and four, Puts the Dallas loss into perspective now. Because Dallas had the terrible 31-10 loss to Buffalo. And yet, still remains in first place in the NFC East. Much harder schedule the rest of the way. Yes. With uh, Miami, Detroit, and Washington versus Philadelphia. Who has the Giants twice and the Cardinals. But that loss by Dallas, 31-10. Doesn't mean as much now in terms of winning the division because they still have a shot to do it if Philadelphia gets another loss here. They thought maybe Philly was going to have to lose twice in the Final Four. Now if Dallas wins out and Philly loses once, Dallas wins the division, gets that two seed, and that loss on Sunday against Buffalo, all for naught, Smalls. Yeah, but... If that all happens. If that all happens. 
if they both went out, the Cowboys and the Eagles, it's going to be a really complicated and interesting situation because the division is decided by strength of victory tiebreaker, which actually can't be determined yet. So if the Eagles handle their business and the Cowboys bounce back and they handle their business, it's going to be very complicated down the stretch to see who wins this. But there's so many tentacles to this game and this outcome, Evan. The Eagles, you're looking at this defense, Matt Patricia taking up the play calling duties last night and what the state of the defense, Jalen Hurts, obviously not playing the same way that we have become accustomed to him playing. The fact that they're coming off of this gauntlet schedule and he was sick last night. Drew Locke stepping up and having a big game last night. I'm wondering, is Seattle good? All of a sudden, they're lumped in uh, these teams in the NFC that are fighting all of a sudden for their playoff uh, their playoff health. It, there's just a lot stemming from this, but I think he, the big takeaway is about the Eagles, obviously, and the state of the Eagles and how much we believe in them at this point. So the Matt Patricia defense allows 10 points in the fourth quarter. The Matt Patricia defense allows an 11-play drive and a 10-play drive. That is enormous. To allow that with a 17-10 lead going into the fourth quarter to lead those or allow, excuse me, those two drives is that's horrible for a debut. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It was horrible to allow that late in that game. It's not like you give up a ton of points, but you can't give up those drives late in the game like that. Two of them. Two of them. Well, and that play to Jackson Smith and Jig, but Drew Locke was talking about it after the game. He's like, we ran that play, that exact same play earlier in the game, and we knew that if they gave us that single coverage again, that's where we were going. So they they understood ways that they could expose this defense, and that is not a good look if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. No, and the other thing that I would point out here, and I am a Jalen Hurts fan. You are a Jalen Hurts fan. He is, he is great, okay? That's I'd want him as my starting quarterback. I have gone as far this year to compare him, let me rephrase, to compare my feeling when I watch him late in the game to my feeling when I watched Tom Brady. Not saying they're as good, not trying to put them in the same sentence, as much as when Brady was down late, I just assumed he was going to pull it out. But real quick, that is a monumental thing for you to say because no one on earth is a bigger Tom Brady fan than you. And His no kids, maybe. I don't even know, maybe. Evan. Evan, yeah, I don't even know if his kids like him as much as you do because he has to punish them and be stern sometimes. It's all love with you guys. But you have confidence in him in a way that you don't with anybody else in the football world in history. So the fact that you would put Jalen Hurts, that feeling that you you get on the same plane See, as now him. Now I feel like I've majorly a really overstated big deal. that. I shouldn't have done that, but I did it. Like I, I'm, I'm just saying Jalen Hurts is the guy in the NFL right now, in addition to Pat Mahomes, obviously. That you and Burrow, that you would say, all right, down six late, minute forty five to go, ball in your own twenty five, no timeouts. He's got it. He's got it. I'm cool with that. Right. I mean, that didn't happen last night, obviously, multiple times, but like, I'm cool with that. He's gonna he's gonna figure it out. And you know what? We got to be fair a little bit. This year has not been the best Jalen Hurts year. We understand that he's hurt and literally sick, and he almost didn't play in the game last night, so you give him credit for being the tough competitor as he is, which we all know he's a tough competitor. We all know he's a great quarterback. We all know now that he has 14 rushing touchdowns this year that that ties Cam Newton's record Mm -hmm. for a quarterback during a regular season. But we also know he has 12 interceptions, the most he's had, I believe, in his career, and we have three games left. We also know that they, even in the games that they won, it's not like he was dominant earlier this season. And you know that in the games they won, a lot of their fans, including our very own Pat Costello, were was questioning whether or not the Eagles are that good. Now they've lost three games in a row. They had a gauntlet of a schedule. Their defense has had to make a change at the coordinator position, as we've discussed. And their quarterback is not necessarily playing 
as a top quarterback in the league. So Pat has him at nine. Which you, I think is outrageous. You and I have him hovering around the top five. Sorry, Pat. Or in the top five. Is Jalen Hurts closer to one or ten in terms of quarterback rankings? I think one. Why? Like, who do you look this at season- that everybody says is good that you're like, no, no, Are we I talking still- about this season specifically or in totality? Because those are two different things, I think. Well, however you want to answer that, then. I think in totality. If we're doing a quarterback draft, every starting quarterback in the NFL is healthy. Patrick Mahomes is going number one overall. Joe Burrow likely going number two. There is a real discussion who's three. Even with some of the things you're seeing from Jalen Hurts this season, you can apply a lot of the same frustrations you have to Jalen Hurts this season to Dak Prescott, to Josh Allen. Maybe not Brock Purdy because he's a different type of quarterback and he's asked to do a different set of things. But Tua, you have questions about Tua. Wait, stop there for a second. When you say Brock Purdy is asked to do a different set of things, what's that, throw touchdowns and not throw picks? Is everyone else not asked to do that? He is, but he's not going to break a game open in ways four that, touchdowns on Sunday. I understand, but you're, you're not going to see him use his legs like Jalen Hurts does. Oh, by the way, I th- I should throw Lamar in there. Again, oh, yeah. why, we, why we don't automatically default to Lamar is crazy to me. He's so criminally underrated, and I, just, I was just guilty of it right there. But I do think Jalen Hurts is somewhere in that three to six range. Like, if we were doing a quarterback draft, everyone healthy, you're having a debate about Jalen Hurts. What, which statement is closer to the truth? Jalen Hurts is overrated or Lamar Jackson's underrated? Lamar Jackson is underrated. We're talking about an MVP. We're talking about a guy who could be the MVP again this year, who has his team primed to make a Super Bowl run, who could likely win a Super Bowl. And he is one of those guys who breaks open a game, but he elevates a lot of people around him. He's an unproblematic leader. Lamar is that guy. Yet, for some reason, we... Talk more about Dak Prescott. We talk more about Josh Allen. We talk more about Jalen Hurts. And Lamar deserves all the love in the world, especially this season. I don't know how you just pulled this off, but by you breaking down the quarterback rankings, to me, you just confirmed that Brock Purdy is by far the MVP. Because you just said something that I had that moment of like, wait, what are we doing here? You said Brock Purdy, again, is asked to do things that other quarterbacks are not asked to do. And my response was, what, throw touchdowns and limit interceptions? He's been great. He leads the league in touchdown passes with 29. He's been great. And he leads the league in terms of least amount of interceptions for a full-time starter over the course of this season at seven. I, I don't understand. When we say he's asked to do things that other people aren't asked to do, why don't we just say he's better at throwing touchdowns and limiting interceptions than anyone else? It's not like Jalen Hurts doesn't have talent around him. Are we going to say that A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith aren't good? They're crazy good. Okay, right? Are we going to say that... Uh, C.D. Lamb is not great. Brandon Cooks, very good receiver, right? I mean, are we going to just ignore that? Are we going to say that Josh Allen doesn't have Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis and two tight ends now that are very good? I mean, are we going to say that OBJ and Zay Flowers and some of the and now all of a sudden they have receivers? Now I understand they have injuries at running back and tight end now, but like everybody else has Tua has the best weapons arguably in the league. Yes, right, and Tua who's been great this year, but that's also 25 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. But that's also sometimes used as a negative towards Tua when we're having this MVP conversation. Yeah, Same as it is Brock Purdy. And, right. it's, and it's not fair, but it is part of the conversation. But again, maybe we need to stop doing this. Brock Purdy is asked to do things differently than everyone else. Maybe it's more, Brock Purdy's just better than everyone else. Okay, let me ask you this question. If Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Brock Purdy... Lamar Jackson. All I'm I'm just going to use that crap right there. Okay. 
they all didn't have their full complement of weapons. Which one of those guys do you have more confidence in to lead their team to a victory, to step up in a big moment and overcome not having the talent around them? Sure, I get it. So you're playing out a scenario. I'm just asking. Right, no, I know, I'm saying, but you're playing out a scenario in which we are saying, if a quarterback now doesn't have a great shot to get to the Super Bowl, which quarterback do you want? Like, okay, it's fine. Maybe Brock Purdy is last on that list. So what? What if he did? So now let's flip it the other way. Let's say every quarterback has their weapons. Who do you want number one? Brock Purdy has proven. Again, Brock, I'm going to go back to your words. Brock Purdy is asked to do something different than everyone else. My answer, what? Throw touchdowns and limited interceptions? Because everyone with their weapons, everyone in full strength, everyone with the intended team that their GM and head coach wants yeah. to put out there, he's gonna... better than everyone. But his weapons... And his coach and that scheme is more effective than anything else that anyone else has in this conversation. So it's held against him. It shouldn't be, but that he's great at what his boss asks him to do. I'm not saying that he's not great. I'm not saying he's not the MVP. But if we're talking about Jalen Hurts and where he ranks as far as quarterbacks in the NFL, and we are doing the hypothetical quarterback draft, not knowing where they're going to go, who their coordinator is going to be, what their weapons are going to be, just based on your talent and your skill set, do I think that whatever you're dropped into, can you succeed? I don't know if Brock Purdy is going to be that guy for me. Well, guess what? Talent and skill set don't matter to me personally as much as production, and nobody's going to be dropped into the scenario you're bringing up. So at some point, we do have to look at Brock Purdy and say, he is that good. But this all stems from the game last night, 20-17. to 17, Seattle beats Philadelphia in a surprising result. I think we're all surprised by that. And it goes from us asking the question of maybe, possibly, are we overrating Jalen Hurts a little bit and that he's great, but he's not like the second greatest behind Mahomes, to Pat Costello, who's an Eagles fan, sitting there saying, I think he's closer to nine. So where are you guys at on this? At 888-SAY-ESPN. Jalen Hurts in QB rankings right now, closer to one or 10? Is he closer to the best quarterback in the league or the 10th best quarterback in the league? 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776 is your telephone number to get in on the unsportsmanlike nation Dr. Pepper call in line. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper the ones fans deserve. We'll continue the Hurts and quarterbacks conversation. Plus, get your phone calls in coming up. It's Unsportsmanlike presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPNU as well. We are here in South Florida, ESPN West Palm, grand opening of the new <laughs> studios. Celsius, thank you. 
for sending Michelle Smallman and me, Evan Cohen, here. CeCe is in Paris. Before we hit the phones on the Dr. Pepper call line on the quarterback conversation around the Eagles' loss last night, do you want to explain to everybody what just happened to you? Oh, my goodness. I am still recovering. So we have a local television station here covering our trip to West Palm, which is amazing. So excited to have so many great people here welcoming us. Everyone's very friendly and welcoming in West Palm, I have to say. Um, But I didn't realize that they were live, that they were live on the air. And we only have a couple minutes during a commercial break, so we have to be really quick about what we decided to do, whether choose the restroom, grab a water. I needed a snack because I didn't really eat a lot last night. I only had the... What? No, I only had... eat? I had the corn that you recommended, probably two bites of corn, and then I had maybe two bites of prime rib. That's it. I was too busy talking to Cardinals players, you know? You were talking, talking about, about St. Louis. Place. I was I like, said. I will forego food to talk about St. Louis. You know me. But anyway, our our folks here at ESPN West Palm, so hospitable. They have snacks specifically for us in the fridge, snacks that they know we like. So I thought, oh, now is my time. I'm going to run out during a commercial break. I'll grab a quick bite to eat. I'll be ready to go next, next segment. I open the door. I go to quickly turn around the corner, and boom, there's a camera in my face. Live. Live with br- big bright lights, and they're like, Here's Evan Cohen's co-host, Michelle Smallman. I was like, hey. And then I go out there. Here's Michelle Smallman's co-host, Evan Cohen. I'm like, yeah. uh, uh, I guess we're live right now. It was literally right surprised. outside here. Yeah, but Smalls, as clumsy as it is, it's almost like, <laughs> she was like Kramer on Seinfeld, falling backwards there um, with the live shot. So, yes, thank you to everybody here for that. All right, let's hear what people have to say about last night with the Hurts uh, game, two interceptions late, and the rankings with the quarterback position around the league right now. John in Ohio on 1410 ESPN. What's up, John? Hey, what's up? You guys love the show. Um, Thank you. <clears throat> I, I do agree with the ranking. I think that uh, he hasn't been playing well as of late. The team hasn't been playing well as of late. I'm an Eagles fan. Um, I predicted we would lose three straight. And I do believe, even if they win two out of the next three, if we do, when we do go to the playoffs, I think we're going to lose in the first round. I just don't think our team is that good. Wow. I don't think it has so much to do with Jalen, but I do think that our defense is a, a, a factor, and we haven't been uh, been able to get pressure on the quarterback and get interceptions. And I just don't think we're going to be doing good this year. Wait, Thanks. but John, John, wait, wait a wow. second. Stay with us for a second there. So losing, I don't know if we still have John, but losing in the first round, as of now, Smalls, I think he's gone, would be <laughs> Philly at Tampa. Ooh, I would not. I mean, Baker Mayfield has been phenomenal this he's year. He's been playing great. Give him all the credit in the world. He is, like, last year was Geno Smith out of nowhere where a reclamation project. This year it is Baker Mayfield. But I can't pick Tampa to win against Philadelphia in the first round of the playoffs. That would be crazy to me. No. Even with some of the cracks we're seeing with Philadelphia, even with the defensive concerns, there's going into that game, I would not have the guts to pick Tampa over Philly. There's no way. No, neither would I. Neither would I. Jay in Florida on Sirius XM Channel 80. What's up, Jay? Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, good morning, guys. I appreciate the call. I would say he's probably you know closer to that uh, ten area, but that's because he's lumped in with a group of other guys. And I want to just make this statement because I, I hope nationally they recognize it. Dallas and Miami this week. That game is an indictment on both franchises, an indictment on both starting quarterbacks. That game is a big time prime time game this late in the season. Both teams control their destinies at this point. I believe whoever wins this game. We're having an upper edge moving forward. And I'm a Dolphins fan. I'm not sold on Tua. Tua has an opportunity right now to uh, to basically quiet all the naysayers. This is a truly indictment game for both franchises, quarterbacks. 
uh, an organization. I'm very confused. Why is this weekend an indictment on the Dolphins who are coming off a shutout win against the Jets and the Cowboys who have already clinched a playoff spot? Like, what's wrong with both franchises? What am I missing on this? The reason why I say that is this. You have an opportunity. To, there's already doubts about both franchises and their abilities to move forward. If you take control by winning this week, okay, following up that 30 to nothing loss, if Miami goes go, at home, yeah. beats Dallas, then I could feel confident and then finally beat a team with a winning record. Right. If Dallas fair. beats Miami, they, they went on the road and beat a team with a winning record. Also fair. But Okay, so I'm done. Uh, thank you for the phone call. Bounce probably, back win on the road. Right, but then I'm hung up on the word indictment. I don't think indictment is the right word for that. It's a statement weekend for either team, right? For both yes. teams, right? Yes. The Dolphins beating the Cowboys. Like, here's the thing, though, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later in the week. There will be a downplaying regardless of what happens. If the Cowboys beat the Dolphins, it will be, well, the Dolphins don't have any good wins. Of course they lost That's the Cowboys. Totally. We're not going to give the Cowboys credit. Yes, I will reiterate and double and triple down on, like, we're actually unfair to them at times. Mm-hmm. And if the Dolphins beat the Cowboys, it would be like, well, of course they beat the Cowboys because the Cowboys haven't been that good recently, um, and they're terrible on the road in comparison to the way they are at home. I feel like there is an excuse already for that game, which is a monster game this weekend, Dallas at Miami. There's already built-in excuses, I feel like, for both teams. In terms of the reaction for the win. For the win. A hundred percent correct. Which team do you think we will give more credit to in the win? Dolphins. I agree. I think it's Miami. I think if Miami wins, we will look at it and say, Yeah, even though I mean more people will say, even though Dallas not good on the road, Miami needed a win like this. Dallas is a playoff team. Now they're starting to prove they could do this. And you have made the point all show long. We have a one and a two in the NFL in terms of the power rankings. How you fill out three through five it's very difficult right now. Very subjective. Miami goes and beats Dallas, meaning the one and two is San Francisco and Baltimore. Yes. Miami goes and beats Dallas. They become the three, I think, to many people. That in CC's next power rankings, he probably puts the Dolphins at three. And you know what I could totally forecast? The Dolphins beating the Cowboys at home and then losing to the Ravens and the Bills to close out the season. Dolphins, yeah, that's and, and then we still have the same questions about them. Are they that good? Because the Cowboys aren't great on the road. The Cowboys having a little bit of a stumble. You have the Ravens who are on that tier one. The Bills who look like the most dangerous sneaky team in the NFL right now. I could totally see it playing out that way where we still have the same questions about Miami. We are on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. ESPNU, hello, Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you for the grand opening of the ESPN West Palm Studios. Thanks to Celsius, we're here in Florida enjoying it. And our next guest, somebody that's familiar with this area, he is a host of This Is Football podcast for Omaha Productions by way of ESPN. It is Kevin Clark who joins us here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. What did you see from Jalen Hurts last night, Kevin? I saw an incomplete quarterback, and I don't know. I mean, listen, when you fly on a different plane than the rest of the team, you have to qualify that. Maybe he was more uh, ill than, than we thought, but I saw a quarterback who was making a bunch of mistakes that we don't associate with the Eagles. Um, this is not Eagles football, um, but unfortunately over the past month or so, it's become that. Uh, I'm getting increasingly worried with all of the sort of indicators I see. I mean, for me, the biggest thing is switching your defensive coordinator in mid-December is a really bad idea. Uh, making Matt Patricia the replacement is a really bad idea. But then the biggest problem to me, guys, tying it all together, is that that didn't seem like the worst problem last night. It seems like a, a broken uh, or at least on the way to being broken offense. And in January, I don't really see many options for, for beating a team like the Niners. Kevin, I want to bring you into a conversation point that we had today. Do you think Jalen Hurts is still a top-five quarterback? All right, so I don't even know when he was. I, I, don't, I don't mean to be huh. reductive on that, but like I, 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 was, I would probably put him ninth or tenth coming into this season. Like He wow. played like one last year. Um, and, and he's got obviously one of the best rosters in football around him. Um, I thought Nick Sirianni did a great job. Uh, the skill guys around him, Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, the line, like, I felt like he was in a very good, he is in a very good situation and it's always hard to do. We can always do the chicken or egg thing, um, about, about kind of, you know, is it the supporting cast, the quarterback? Um, I don't think he's a top five quarterback because I wouldn't have put him in there in the first place, but whatever his ranking is, I certainly wouldn't improve it uh, over the past couple months. Talk with Kevin Clark. This is football podcast as part of the ESPN app, Omaha productions here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN radio alone, Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. Is Lamar Jackson now underrated in your eyes? <laughs> He's always been underrated. I mean, like, <laughs> thank you. I, we, thank we, you. Go we, off, we Kevin. Shut the door. First of all, I, I know you're just playing to the audience in the ESPN West Palm Studios, which is where Lamar Jackson is from. By the <laughs> exactly. way, I, I, I'm a little upset I didn't get an invite to the West Palm Studios because that sounds pretty good right about now. Um, I'm staring out my 35 degree uh, window in, in New York right now. Um, but um, yeah, like I, I just think there's there's only a handful of guys who scare defenses more. You do not ever want to see Lamar Jackson, and you certainly don't want to see this version of Lamar Jackson. Um, I think a lot of times we still forget, like, linebackers don't know what the heck to do when Lamar Jackson is playing at his peak. Um, Todd Munkin, his, the new offense coordinator, has added a bunch of elements that I think have really – taking that team to the next level where there's much more diversity in their personnel packages and they can still do the tough stuff and fullbacks and tight ends, all that stuff, but they can, they can also spread it out um, and, and get, and get Lamar um, the weapons he needs in space. Um, So this has been uh, not surprising at all. I think that we always shut the door narrative wise too early on players. I mean, like, we did that with the Bills a couple of weeks ago. We did it with Lamar, you know, a couple of years early. Um, we always move on too quickly. Lamar has always been here. He's been waiting again for a season like this. 
Kevin, before we get into more results and, and playoff pictures, I want to ask you about the Chargers. Brandon Staley yeah. fired. Where do you think they should go with their next head coach? Uh, I mean, first of all, they shouldn't have hired Brandon Staley. Um, <laughs> I, and that, that, it's a process thing to me. And they should learn from that, which is he was a first-year D.C., and he had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and he couldn't stop bragging about how his scheme was so great. And the next time somebody has two of the best players in football, and including one of the best defensive linemen in history, maybe the best, um, and he's bragging about his scheme, don't listen to him. Like, that's my free advice for owners. Don't listen to the guy who says he unlocked the best player of all time, okay? Um, <laughs> and so what, what, what the Chargers need to do is get an offensive coach, um, and I've gone back and forth on this. I think that vision is more important than the side of the ball, but they need a short term fix and just get some credibility in there. I would try to do a Harbaugh type um, where he comes in, he has instant credibility, no more learning on the job. Justin Herbert's too important for that. And also guys, the roster is overrated, old and expensive. And they're going to be $40 million over the cap next year. They're going to have to cut a bunch of guys who, who we all think are kind of the heartbeats of that team. It's basically going to be Justin Herbert and a bunch of six-round picks. Um, and so it's not a great job outside of the quarterback. So you might as well make this a quarterback-specific job. What a great point about Staley in those comments. Because as yeah. you're saying this, Kevin, I'm thinking, and I'm a, a Belichick stan, love him, Belichick yeah. coached the greatest offensive player of all time, defensive player of all time, and special teams player of all time in Brady, yeah. Lawrence Taylor, and Matthew Slater, and has never yeah. actually said it was my scheme that created any of those guys. Not once. Well, not, not, not only that, he goes the other way on it. Like, especially with Lawrence Taylor, he's like, I, you know, I, I think he did have something to do with it, and Lawrence Taylor said that, but he all, how many times we always think, oh, Belichick's so arrogant and all that stuff. How many times Belichick said this is all about the players? He says it all the time. Exactly. And Brandon Staley went the other way on that, I think. <laughs> what a ridiculous compare and contrast <laughs> there. I never thought about it that way. Brilliant by you. All right, I, I want to bring you into another conversation we've had because I jumped yeah. on Smalls and snapped at her for, uh, at one point today sure, because she sure. said, she said, well, Brock Purdy is not asked to do what everyone else is asked to do. And I said, what's that? Throw touchdowns and limit yeah. interceptions? Because that is what Brock Purdy is asked to do. He's been great. Aren't all quarterbacks asked to do that, Kevin Clark? Well, Brock Purdy, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of two minds here. And I hate saying that. That's just it's so nuanced and all that stuff. And I don't have a strong take for it. But here it is. Um, he does the easiest job in football better than anybody. That's, that's my one line on Brock Purdy. Because there was a stat the other day that basically he had the, he had the most – uh, open deep throws of anybody in three years on Sunday. Uh, I think he was 10 of 12 on on passes where he had 10 yards of separation um, with the target as far as receiver and a DB. He was throwing wide open passes on Sunday. And he doesn't throw interceptions. He takes care of the ball. He's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, who did that role for a number of years. There's a bunch of guys who could fail at this. So I think that I, I don't like, I really don't want to, um, like the MVP discussion just gotten so boring and reductive. And, and I had Chris Long on my show this morning, and he was talking about how basically the MVP award has just become the Heisman, where it's best quarterback on the best team. Um, but I, I, I do think that Brock Purdy is good enough to win a Super Bowl because he can execute exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants. And in Kyle Shanahan's offense, taking care of the football, hitting the open pass, all of that stuff. That's what matters. He does it. So who am I to say I know ball more than Kyle Shanahan if Shanahan's good with this? Kevin, I want you to examine the Kansas City Chiefs for me. Give them a diagnosis. How confident are you in the Chiefs right now? The diagnosis is a terminal case of having Kadarius Tony on the roster. 
Um, because everything, everything flows through that. Like they keep giving him more chances because they don't have any other options. Um, Rasheed Rice is, has broken out over the past couple of weeks. But we've seen – my biggest thing is we've seen Mahomes thrive without elite receivers before. They won the Super Bowl without Tari Kill last year. But that is when Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football. He's currently not the best tight end in football. I think some of the things they like to do, you know, like there were games, long stretches where Travis Kelsey running an option out over the middle was all they were doing and it was working. And so they need to sort of come up with another pitch. Um, if Kelsey's not going to be the best tight end in football, they're not going to have these receivers. They're going to have to do something. And the good news is they're the best quarterback in football and one of the best offensive coaches in history. Um, and so not, not, Andrew Reid's not going to go full Brandon Staley on us and start bragging about his scheme, but he does <laughs> have a good scheme. And so um, I, I, I think it, you know, the AFC is, is fairly uh, light this year where I think they can win a playoff game um, without having their, their best stuff. Um, but to get past the Ravens, um, to get past, I mean, certainly if they play the Super Bowl, to get past the Niners, it's going to be really tough. Um, they, they have roster problems, and they thought they could uh, get away with a light receiving core if they were improving the defense. I thought having a young, talented defense would be more important in the long run, but in the short term, they just need guys who can catch the ball, and they don't have it. I believe they will figure it out. Kevin, let's finish with this and talk with Kevin Clark. Of course, uh, this is Football Podcast Omaha, and of course you see him and hear him and read him and everything on ESPN here as part of uh, the Omaha-ESPN relationship and all of his Orlando Magic takes as well. Um, now, <laughs> now, we have played a bunch of sound from your podcast on our, on our show. There are a lot of stories that are told on your podcast. Your favorite story so far since you joined ESPN from your podcast. Oh, oh my God. Um, that's a good one. I know, I know what it is. And you'll appreciate this because you, you know Florida well. Channing Crowder came on my show. And I asked him for a Nick Saban story when he coached the Dolphins. And, he, and, and Crowder said that he was really trying to connect with Nick Saban because nobody else is connecting with Nick Saban. You know Channing. He's, he's going to be a funny guy. He's going to try to have a personal relationship. And so he, go, he sees Saban for the first time in a while at the urinal. And he's like, you know what? Whatever. No time like the present. I'm just going to start talking to, to Nick Saban at the urinal. And Channing says, hey, Nick, how's Terry, his wife, Terry Saban, Miss Terry? And Nick just stares at him and says, she'd be a lot better if you could cover on third down. Oh, and that was it. my God. <laughs> that is exactly the story you would make up about Nick Saban. Yes. And it is exactly true. It sounds like the punchline of a joke. I just want to know the urinal etiquette because we've talked about this on our show. If it's an open five person urinal, I hope one was at five, one was at three, one was at one. Did Channing go right next to Saban and ask that or did he leave it in between? I mean, that has to be asked. That has to be a follow up on I that. I think you went right in. I think you went right in next to it. I, th- I think I mean, Channing was trying to make a connection here. So I, I, I don't think he was he was going across the bathroom shouting that. The urinal conversation with a man asking about his wife and the man responding with third down coverage techniques and <laughs> critique. That is Nick Saban in a nutshell. Kevin Clark, amazing job. Thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right. There is Kevin Clark. This is Football Podcast. Omaha production is part of ESPN. He had a million good takes there. The Staley one jumps out at me. Yeah, of course. That He's so right. Brandon Staley's bragging about this scheme with the Rams, with Aaron Donald. Mahomes, or Reed has never bragged about this scheme with, with, with Mahomes or Belichick with Lawrence Taylor. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. What a great point on that. By the way, speaking of Bill Belichick, he did comment yesterday on his future. We will get to that coming up. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. But first, Michelle is this from O-O-O. 
O'Reilly. Did you know one in four car batteries is weak and needs to be replaced? O'Reilly Auto Parts will test your battery free of charge. If your battery needs to be replaced, their professional parts people can help you find the best superstar battery for your vehicle and budget. Make sure your vehicle is ready for the weather ahead by getting your battery tested for free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. ESPNU. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. We are live at the ESPN West Palm grand opening for the studios. A big week here. Thanks to Celsius and... Thanks to the Greg Hill Show on WEEI, we have this from Bill Belichick about his future in New England. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I think any questions you have for Mr. Kraft, you should ask Mr. Kraft. Is this a place that you want to be long-term if it were up to you? Yeah, I'm not getting into the past, the future, or anything else. Get ready for Denver this week. I'm not getting into the past, the future, or anything else. I'm getting ready for Denver this week. I always, I, I love Belichick. You know that, Smalls. Um if you ask him about, like, 1943 punting, I promise you he'll discuss it. Of course. That's technically the past. True. you got to find the right things to ask him about and then be like, oh, I thought you weren't talking about the past, right? And this is the thing. He's not going to answer questions about this. We know he's not going to answer questions about this. He would never in a million years answer questions about this. Here's my question, though. Do you think it's 100% certain as to whatever the outcome is and how it's going to play out? Yes. You do? I, I do. You think that Kraft has made the decision, here's what's going to happen, and do you think Belichick is aware of that decision? I do. So everyone knows everything right now. It's not us. I think so because I think that all parties involved have probably come to the conclusion that it's not beneficial for anyone for this marriage, this football marriage to continue. I think that Kraft probably has such reverence and respect for Bill Belichick and everything he's accomplished with the New England Patriots that by letting him know this at this time, Belichick can survey the landscape, see what, what situations are popping up and what might be enticing to him moving forward. See, I don't. I don't know. Part of me does not think so. Why, part, why is that? Part of me believes that right now they both probably feel like it's going to be over. But, but in order to replace Belichick, you have to find someone that you deem to be better as a coach than Bill Belichick. Like, are we sure whoever you rehire, even in 2023, 24, is going to be better than him? Don't you think that there is, I shouldn't say don't you think, I think there's got to be a conversation about is this fixable? Can you be a part of the fix? And how do we move forward together? Maybe. And maybe they say no, because maybe Kraft comes in there and he says, here's what I would like to happen. And Belichick says, well, I'm not going to work under those circumstances. And then they figure out the exit strategy. After 20 plus years of working with someone, don't you feel like there has to be that kind of overall conversation about what should we do here? How do we handle this? And, and my opinion is, I feel like these two parties wouldn't do it in season. That's not kind of how they are, it doesn't seem like. I don't think they would break up in season, but I think that they know that there 
on the road to a conscious uncoupling. And I think just— They're going Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah, it's the goop approach. Conscious uncoupling. Both parties are saying we love and respect one another, but it's not working for us anymore. I do think that with Bill Belichick's particular set of circumstances in New England, it would be very hard— to have him remain the head coach while removing some of his other football responsibilities, i.e. picking the groceries. I think he would deem that as a demotion or potentially a lack of respect based on everything he's accomplished there. But that clearly needs to happen in order for it to get fixed. Do you think that that's a fair assessment? No. You don't? No. But you're the wrong person to ask. No, no, I'm going to give you a legit reason. I think if he got the quarterback right, all the other picks around that everybody says are so bad wouldn't be as bad. I think every other player, every other player, he got the quarterback wrong. Like, this is this is not about a systemic failure over the course of the post-Brady era. This is about he got the quarterback wrong. If you had the right quarterback in there, their defense is good enough to go to their playoffs. Their offense is not where it needs to be. I attribute a lot of that to the quarterback position. If he got the quarterback right, I don't think we're sitting here having this conversation. I actually believe we have overrated how bad the roster is and actually downplayed how horrific the quarterback decision was. So we had a segment earlier where we were talking about all of these coaches that were finding ways to have success despite their starting quarterback going down. Does that logic not apply to Bill Belichick? No, you're right. But here's the thing. Their starting quarterback he is didn't wor- go down. But their he starting quarterback is worse than their backup quarterback. But that's that's, a, that's a, and yes, it's that's also one, an indictment on Bill Belichick. It is, <laughs> but I'm saying like everybody makes it seem like the entire roster is so bad, and I just don't buy that. I don't buy that every part of it is bad. I think there's a lot of teams in the league that actually have decent rosters that if you inserted a quarterback in there, they'd look really, really good. I, I know that's a weird reference, but remember years ago when Tim Tebow was a quarterback of the Broncos mm-hmm. and he took them to the playoffs and Peyton Manning is surveying the landscape of the NFL and probably realizes, you know what, that team is really really talented, and I am Peyton Manning, and if I go there, we could be really good. Two Super Bowl appearances later, one win later, yeah, he was right about that. I think that there was a lot of conversation a couple of years ago when the Denver Broncos did not have a good record that that would be the place that Aaron Rodgers would go. They even hired Nathaniel Hackett because they thought they could get Aaron Rodgers. They thought they were one quarterback away from that. I'm not saying New England is one quarterback away. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying that people have deemed this roster to be an F-, and I don't think it is. I think the quarterback has been so horrifically bad for a decent amount of time now, and that's the, that's on them. They decided to go with anyone other than Brady, which was not obviously looking back on it, the right move. But again, this is not one of those teams that is so horrific that you can't win with a decent quarterback. If I put an average quarterback on this team, they'd be around five. They'd be seven and seven right now. They'd be seven and seven. You could look up and down that, that uh, schedule this year for New England and and find games that you would say, you know what, they probably would have won that. Whoever you deem smallest to be the 16th best quarterback in the league, you put that guy on this team, they lost by five points to the Eagles, seven points to the Dolphins, they lost by four points to the Raiders, three points to the Commanders, four points to the Colts, three points to the Giants, six points to the Chargers, and ten points to the Chiefs. That is an enormous amount of, quote-unquote, close games that if you put a competent quarterback, they actually would be fine. I'm not trying to spin this positively. I get – I mean, I am, but I get yes, how I get how bad they've been this year. 
But the quarterback position has been so bad that maybe how bad Belichick is at this point as a picker of the groceries has been a little bit overstated. True, but if you pick the quarterback and it's a disaster, why would we That's want you, you to pick him again? You're right. Why would you want to give him that opportunity to pick yet another quarterback? I just think, Evan, in life, I know it's hard for you to say goodbye. Sometimes you realize you're at the end of the road. And this is it's not like this season is the one outlier. It's been trending downward for New England. It hasn't been great. And if you're Robert Kraft, knowing that you're likely going to get a new quarterback, why wouldn't you use this as a new opportunity to have a fresh start, to get that quarterback in, get him with whoever you deem is going to be the head coach that you want to have for at least the next three years. And right now, it's gray area with Bill Belichick. It's a gray hoodie. That's what it is. But you're make, you then have to make the assessment that I think this person that comes in as my head coach will get us to a better place than Bill Belichick. Well, that's an impossible task. If you're looking at the the success that he's had there, it might not in totality. Look no, I don't great. mean I don't mean better retroactively. I mean like for the twenty years of Brady. I mean better like Bill Bill Belichick. You'd put on any good team as the head coach. It's the average to below teams that maybe it's not his thing. But if you're a really good team like Pat Costello, who wants his coach, you know Nick Sirianni of the Eagles out, put him on the Eagles. They're winning the Super Bowl, but this isn't an average to below average team. So you just made your argument, made my argument for me. But I don't think they're a little bit better than you're giving them credit for. The Eagles did lose last night. We will dive into that next. Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from six to ten a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel eighty. You can also watch on ESPN two and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.